Welcome to the Cultivate Network Podcast, where we're digging in, digging in on Christian living, leadership, and church planning. Here are your hosts, Jamie Couch and Anthony Waters. Francis Chan wrote this. We have made worship about us and our preferences rather than about God and his worthiness. So today let's talk about worship. As we continue in the 30-day sermon series uh, last week, the Lord blessed Brother Jamie to minister a beautiful sermon on worship. And I think and as I heard it, boy, it, just, it, it definitely spoke to me and it pierced my heart because I know in my Christian life that I've, I've struggled with worship about trying to make it about myself and i mean it's the it's the same thing i'm sure that a lot of people deal with i don't like this genre of music i don't like the this i don't want to hear the the christian this i don't want to hear the hymn sung i'd rather hear this than that i'd rather hear this one sing than that one sing and i think our whole mindset on worship is messed up yeah i think we're messed up and i like what francis chan said there it's about God, and it's about His worthiness and His holiness. It's not about our preference in any way, shape, or form. So we're going to jump right into this, and I'm going to let you take off this morning. And then I'll tell a story on what worship means to me now compared to what it was before and how the Lord opened my eyes <laughs> in, a, in a mighty way. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and guys, you're going, to want to, you're going to want to stick around for Anthony's story. Um, it's something that truly is impactful and and it, it's a great illustration of how the holy spirit works and moves in our lives and he's he's moving in m- many times way more than what we see with our naked eye he is moving in in so many ways so we, we ask ourselves this question we're in the sermon series anthony said 30 days so if you hadn't tuned in in previous episodes we're asking ourselves in this sermon series um if I knew that I only had 30 days to live, what would I change about the way that I live my life? And we're going through each week and we're asking that question and we're answering that question from a biblical standpoint. So we've talked about worship. We've talked about uh, prayer. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about so many different things that would change. And so last week was able to open up uh, a bit about worship and, and, and what would change about my worship if I knew that I had 30 days to live. A lot of things I could probably care less about if I knew that I had 30 <laughs> days to live. Um, yep. And a lot of things I could probably care a whole lot more about mm-hmm. if I had 30 days to live. Actually, I'm a pastor for, for many years, and there's times uh, you can tell when somebody doesn't like a worship service and they you, can, you can read their body language <laughs> and, sure and when they and and many times they they don't mind as you're as you're departing and greeting as folks are leaving they can they, they'll they'll let you know oh yeah so I had one one time aunt let me know <clears> hey <throat> I, I didn't get anything out of that worship service <laughs> and and I'm like well how do I respond to this and my response was well that's okay it, it wasn't for you anyway. Ouch. <laughs> it was actually for, for God that we, we sing 
not to one another. We're not dedicating songs to one another so that we can feel warm and fuzzy about, man, that was a really <laughs> good, talented singer there. It's really an audience of one. So what have we made it in Western Christianity? What have we made worship today? And we look at that. Genre. <laughs> yeah. Rap worship. Yeah. Hymn. Hymns. Yeah. Southern gospel. Yeah. Northern gospel. <laughs> Western gospel. <laughs> Eastern gospel. <laughs> Eastern gospel. <laughs> and Southeastern gospel. Black, black gospel. White yeah. gospel. Inner city gospel. I mean, yeah, there's... <laughs> There's gospel rap, <laughs> gospel rock. It's so true. It, come on, guys. We have, yeah. it, we've, made, we've, we've made it about style and performance. While we watch casually as people sing that fit certain genre that we like, Yeah, we've created American idols that yeah. we set on Sunday and observe. And if anybody don't sing to our liking or worship to our liking, then we like it. And you know what? We have also limited worship to singing and songs. Yeah. And that is, I love what A.W. Tozer said about worship. He said, worship is not a part, not a part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, mm. as, as the epistle uh, would say, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Yeah. Worship in the Lord mm. in spirit and in truth. Getting yourself out of the way. I think that's the biggest problem in worship today is getting ourselves out of the way. I think that's a big, big problem. I mean, it's kind of like the person that came up to you as they leaving church and said, I didn't get nothing out of this today. Well, it wasn't for you. <laughs> Good. That's okay. Good. It wasn't for you. It wasn't for you. It was for him. <laughs> it was for him. I like it. But I think that's one of the biggest barriers is self. I think self is one of the biggest barriers that we set up. Tradition as well. Right. Yep. Tradition and self. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a tradition guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. My story will kind of I reveal that. that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, and I want to bounce off what you're saying, Ant. You know, we are, as humans, we love tradition. We, we are. Whether yeah. it's UK basketball, we have a tradition. Hmm. Uh, whether it's church, my local church, the hymn books, or it's the Southern Gospel. And in 20 years, there's going to be a tradition on uh, uh, praise and worship. And, and yeah. you know, there's going to be traditions that our kids have that are the old days of 2003, no 2012. Yeah. And and then there's going to be a new style, a new genre pop up. They're going to be like, oh, I hate that old stuff, you know. <laughs> and then our kids are going to be like, no, oh, that was good stuff. Carrie Job is. Lauren Daigle is the old school. <laughs> you know, that's the way it's going to be. It is. And, and, and the thing is, is when they started, you know, playing instruments in, in a church back at the turn of the century, you know, in, in the 1800s, it was a big deal. It's like, oh, whoa, yeah. you know. Yeah, what are you doing? And, and so, yeah, but what we do, what we do, and, and it's human nature, is we tie things that are secular and we make them sacred. So we create little mini gods, little demigods of, hmm. of, of uh, certain, certain, uh, 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 spans of year or, or decades. Like, you know, there's some folks that worship the sixties and seventies and, oh, yeah. and boy, the glorious nineties. Mm -hmm. And we live in that, that ideation that that's when things were perfect and that's when things were good. Well, guess what? God changeth not. And, but we, we've, we've made so many things that are not sacred at all. 
into sacred the hymn book. I love hymns. I love hymns. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna sing one in a few minutes. <laughs> Please don't but, sing it. You can <laughs> say it. Just don't sing it. But here's the deal. <laughs> that red back, blue back, black back, whatever color back, orange back that you have in your pew, there is literally zero sacred about that book. It was it it was not sacred. It is mm. it is a book of songs. So you mean when we get to heaven, we don't get handed the red back or the gray back or the purple back or we don't get handed a, a song book? I don't know. That's, that's, <laughs> I, wait, it is in the book of imaginations. <laughs> One of my favorite books. <laughs> so speaking of the book, let's talk about, you know, what are the postures of worship in the Bible? You know, it, 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 the best way to understand, guys, what if you have a question. We don't go and we read articles about the way it used to be. Why don't we go read read the word yeah. about how it should be? Mm-hmm. So, what what are some of the postures, Anthony, that you can identify in the scripture of uh, worship? Well, just tying bouncing off your sermon from last week, the first one is kneeling, kneeling in worship to the Lord. Psalm ninety five six invitation to bow down in worship and kneel. Before the Lord, a heart of humility, a heart, humble heart before the Lord, kneeling in honor and reverence to who he is and worshiping God in the posture of kneeling. Okay. Yeah. And then in Revelation 7, you, you have standing. Oh. It says every multitude from every nation is standing before the throne of the Lamb in worship and adoration of him. Yep. Dancing. Dancing before the Lord. Psalm 154. <clears throat> Praise God with tambourine and dancing. 2 Samuel 6 and 14, as the ark was coming in, David danced with all his might before the Lord. But there was haters on that one, too. They didn't like to see him dancing. There's a lot of churches. If you dance in a little bit, you're going to get kicked out the side door. Yeah. We got the spirit. Well, you didn't get it here. (laughs) You know, they try to kick David. David's wife tried to stop him there. He's like, listen, honey, I love you. Yeah, but I love God more. And right now I'm so excited. I can't, I can't, I can't hold it in. And the next thing's clapping. Psalms 47, clap your hands and shout to God with joy. A lot of, a lot of situations. If you were to clap and shout, you, you may be out of order. (laughs) Right. Very true. What about singing? Psalm 96, 1, sing to the Lord a new song, all the earth. Letting that voice do what God created it to do. You just ain't able to sing by circumstance or by coincidence. Mm-hmm. God designed these vocal cords to really beller out for him to glorify his name. Mm, let's go back to David. Yeah. In, in, in his dancing. Where was he physically at when he was doing this? So he had been in the city, right? Okay. So yeah. he was walking up the street? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Did did he have his favorite song on the radio? <laughs> no, I doubt it. No? <laughs> I seriously doubt it. <laughs> he had, he, did he have his favorite uh, worship singer? Probably not. No. No, probably what he, not. What he had is joy yeah. and a heart to worship God. And that's amazing. He didn't need a song. No. He didn't need an instrument. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he was worshiping before the Lord. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. So then the lifting of hands in Psalm 63 and 1 Timothy, um, lift up your hands, lift up holy hands unto God without anger and and lift up hands and praise unto God. Wow. My goodness. Uh, do you remember reading in the Bible the sacrifice of praise? Do you remember reading that? How wonderful that is, the sacrifice of praise. That means it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to sacrifice. There's the going to be days you don't feel like praise. Absolutely, Yeah. 
there's going to be days you don't want to worship. You just don't, you, it's not in you. You just, the weight of the world's got you beat down and you're not going to feel like worshiping. But that's when all these keys kick in. Even in the midst of it all, man, to be able to still glorify, to raise your hands, to kneel down, to worship, to cry out and sing unto the Lord. Man, that's just, that's seeing God in every circumstance and every situation. Worship's important. So sometimes it's a sacrifice. Absolutely. Another one would be like prostration or lying face down. And you can see this so many times. Hezekiah, Moses, you see it with John on 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 the um the the island in revelation mm-hmm. as he was face down unto the lord and and, and so you see you see the the, the there's the times where people's only response to the presence of god is just to lay down face down on the ground man i've been there i've been there where i've been in his presence so strong that all i could do is just lay flat i remember i was at the house one night and abigail was in her bedroom and uh, autumn and zach were going somewhere and i was in there studying and I could just feel the presence of the Lord just so strong. And my goodness, it was almost it was almost like I was just being held down. And all I could do was just all I could do was just lay face down and just cry unto the Lord. I, his presence was just so strong. And whenever I whenever I came out of that worship, I got to looking for Abby, and I found her in her closet as she was laying down and as she was crying out unto the Lord. And she was in there, and the Lord was revealing to her, and you know, just working in her little life. I'll never forget that. That was precious. Mm. But that's awesome. I like those times. I know that sounds odd for people to be laying just prostrate, just laid out where you can't move, just laid flat down. Man, that's mm, there's nothing like that. Yeah, so you read of it in the Bible. You've experienced yeah. it. I've experienced it a few times with the presence of the Lord. My only response is I could just lay down. That's and, it. And and that sounds odd to the general public. You it know, does well, sound what? odd. Yeah. But then if you go back in history, you, see, you read it in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But you also go back into to what we know as modern history. You got people like Martin Luther. Yeah. And and you know if you don't know the story of Martin Luther, please just look it up. You should and, look and, it and up and understand <laughs> what this man went through. Yeah. To to just be honest with God. Yeah. And break away from religion and religious formality and to be just real and honest with God. And he laid. Oh, he had to. He laid prostrate before yes. God and sur- completely and totally surrender. Yeah. To him, as he knew what he was going to be facing yep. next, if he made these decisions oh. to go against the force that was, yeah, he had to break down every ideology that he had, everything he'd been taught. He had he came it came to a head with him. Pretty cool. And Pretty his cool response guy. to that, his response <laughs> to that, that the only response that there is to really having a perspective of how great and amazing God is. Is worship, yeah. It and and, and you know my my worship is a direct reflection or lack of, Anthony. My worship or lack of is a direct reflection on how I view God. Oh wow, yeah. That's heavy. It is, but heavy. it's it's true. Yeah. And so if I'm approaching worship lethargically, yeah, and haphazardly, yeah, then I'm not approaching worship biblically. No. And I'm not viewing God as high and lofty as I ought. No, it's very true. But how many times do we do that? Casually worship. Casually Out of worship. repetition and routine. Repetition. I promise if I had 30 days to live, Anthony, yeah. I promise I don't feel that my worship is going to be casual. I wouldn't think so. Lethargic yeah. or routine or mundane. No, I don't. I either. feel like it'll be with passion 
and trying my best to to just envision the glory and greatness of God and embrace that in worship. Yeah. So when we worship, we should send Judah first. Is what you're saying? What is sending Judah first? Sending the praise, sending the glory. <clears throat> Send Judah first. What does Judah's name mean? If we look at it biblically, it biblically it literally means the praise, the glory, the shout. Send Judah first as the army would go in, which is completely crazy considering what you would consider modern warfare. But the first ones that were sent forth were the worshipers. What a principle. <laughs> it's insane, right? That God would, would set forth. Uh, in, he named Judah, the yeah. tribe of Judah, yeah. with the let God be praised. Yeah. And then and then he commanded, God commanded the military leaders <laughs> to oh send not the trained military people. No. Not no. The, the Marines and the Army, no. but you send the worshipers first. So imagine yourself at one of these cities, okay? <laughs> and... Up until this point, you've seen this great cloud of daytime off in the distance heading your way. And every night, it looked like a fire burning. And you watch this getting closer to you day in and day out. And then you finally hear the rumors of this big tribe, this people that were headed your way. Obviously, they would have been in fear. They saw the cloud. They saw the fire. And then the day that the battle gets ready to take place, you're standing there terrified. And here come a bunch of people singing. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine it. I mean, you'd be like, "What in the world is this?" Imagine being a drummer in <laughs> yeah. in that in that group, and uh, you know, you, you you you've been a drummer for your, your whole life or whatever, and then you're looking around and you're like a little scrawny, you know, drummer or whatever. I'm not saying drummers are scrawny, so if you're a drummer, don't be offended. <laughs> don't be offended. Don't by give that. us an email. Yeah. No. Okay. So think about it. Okay, you're you're a, you you play a flute. I don't know. What do you play? I don't. What what do they play? Tambourines. Yeah. yeah tambourine. So you're a tambourine player, and, yeah. and you got your little. <laughs> tambourine and you're like all right i'm gonna go play music and worship and um the this the the general of the army says looks across the, the span of all the soldiers and all these big burly strong trained men with weapons in hand and they're just they're ready and then he's like yeah um you're going first. You're on the front line. <laughs> That's so, funny. You know, but, 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 you know, that, that was an example as if, and I love the, the picture that that draws of life. Yeah. If we put, you know, the, the scripture reiterates that, and, and as Jesus said, the seek ye first the kingdom of God mm -hmm. and his righteousness, right. and then all these things should be added unto you. Yeah. If we put, and, and this is, I wish we don't have enough time to cover that. We're just going to scratch and sniff here. Here we go. Yeah. It, if we put in every aspect of our life that the objective is that the glory of God goes first oh. into what I'm going into, wow. that I worship him first and what I'm going, that I promise what we will see is a revelation of his, of his power and his love and his grace and what we're doing. So if we put his kingdom first, then we're unstoppable. Sure. If our motive is that God be glorified in whatever we're doing, Whatever we put our hands to, if our motive is that God be glorified, then we are unstoppable because we have heaven's forces on our side. That's pretty awesome. A complete mindset shift from the thought of the world, though. Man, that ain't that ain't that wouldn't be a popular belief. They won't credit. No, exactly. So I, 
obviously this is this is good sound advice because it's contrary to the world i mean it's it's obviously really good advice think about the hard situations in life if we approach those glorifying god and worshiping mm. before we ever even touched them or got even close to yep. it and we say i don't know how this is going to work out yeah but, but god, before be i even glorified. start it i want you to be glorified in Amen. the result of it yeah change everything man it would change everything. It changes the way you work. Yeah. It changes the way you do relationships. Yes. It changes the way you deal with difficult situations yep. because it takes your emotion, yep. your selfish ambition out of it. And you say, I resign from the from, from this point and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Amen. I love it. So I think another thing we talked about was, was some of the examples um, in history mm. of people that were facing death that 30 days to live or 30 minutes to live or 30 seconds to live. Right. And what was their posture of worship? Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. So uh, you need to do the first one here. You can sing the song. I encourage you not to sing. If, <laughs> if anybody's listening, I don't want anybody to be ran off. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. I can go. hum it while you, while you sing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going <clears> to... <throat> when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like a sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul who on earth would have sung such a song horatio spofford and he did this anthony as he was mourning the loss of his daughters his four daughters and his wife yep so as he was dealing with that death they lost him in a shipwreck as he was dealing with the mourning of that of losing five of the people that he loved the most in life. His response to that was worship and Amazing. writing a song to God that said, "It is well. It is well. Amazing. It is well with my soul." That is that is Christian maturity. Yes, it is at its highest level. Amen. You ever hear of a guy named Polycarp of Smyrna? I've heard the stories. Yeah. Tell me. I don't know this guy. You'll have to tell me the story. <laughs> uh, well, well, uh, uh, Polycarp was, was one of the early, early Christian church leaders, and he was martyred in the second century. And as he was brought to the Roman authorities, um, he was ordered to renounce his faith, as many were or as the, in the persecution. And he refused to renounce his faith, knowing, knowing what that was going to end up as, and he said for 86 years, the old man, mm-hmm. he said, for 86 years I've served him and he's done me no wrong. Mm-hmm. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Even as, even, so they burned him at the stake on that day. Wow. And as they was burning him at the stake, he prayed out loud and praised and worshiped God as the fire was swallowing him up. Wow. What about a guy named Thomas Cran- Cranmer? Thomas Cranmer. Yeah. So, so Thomas Cranmer. This was this was in like the 1500s, like, and so Thomas Cranmer was the you know King Henry the Eighth uh, of England, and and you can see the the uh, the he was he was such a vile man, mm. and it, they, were, they were persecuting the Christians, and <clears throat> so Thomas Cranmer was being burned to the stake. He had been just like uh, just like Polycarp back in the in the second century. Thomas Cramer was asked to recant his faith in Christ, and he did. Mm. He did the first time. He said, "You know, I, I recant. I, I, I take it back." And then and then, um, he 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 thought about it, and he went back on his recantation, and he said, "You know, I've thought about it. 
I'm ready to pay the price. I'm not going to recant. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, and he is my Savior, whatever it takes, whatever comes my way, okay? And then um, they were they were about to burn him at the stake, you know, because he recanted his recantation. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, as for the Pope, I refuse him as Christ's enemy and Antichrist and with all of his false doctrine. And then he held his right hand, which he had used to sign the recantation because he had to sign the recantations. It says, I don't believe it, you know. And, and, and he took his right hand and he held it in the flames because they was getting ready to burn him at the stake. He was standing at the stake and he was going to be burned on. He held his hand into the flames until it was singed and, and mired in the, in the flame. And he said, this hand has offended. And then as they, as they burned him at the stake, again, he worshiped gave God praise and glory. Whew. My goodness. Yeah, I like what you said uh, last week. Is you said that was big boy faith. That's big boy faith. That is big boy faith. That's big boy faith. <laughs> what about a guy named Han Huss? Han Huss was, you know, similar. They they burned him at the stake and he sang hymns as as he they were burning him at the stake. A couple others is uh, uh Perpetua and Felicity, two young two young Christian women in North Africa. They was they, they put these two girls in a, a stadium with wild animals, and they gathered around the Coliseum to watch them run and scream and fear. And it was, it, they made sport out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I love these two girls. I wish they would make a movie out of this. It would be so awesome. <laughs> but these people gathered in, these pagans gathered in to watch these Christians, these young Christian girls be slaughtered by these wild animals and run and fear and scream. They walked out there. They, uh, they, they got together. They held hands and they kneeled down and they prayed together. And then they started singing. Hmm. There's tigers and, 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 you know, all sorts of animals, you know, that's, they're hunting them and the people's watching them for sport. And these two young ladies, uh, they sang, they started singing hymns and they, uh, they, you know, embraced and just worshiped even as the pagan onlookers were, they were actually moved by, by their courage and they, they died that day, you know, but, but they, uh, they worshiped all the way Amazing. to the end. So it begs the question, and I think I think it needs to be addressed is how do we mature in our worship to reach such a level that we're that we are like the Pauls and the Silas's we are like the the perpetuity the, yeah perpetuity and felicity how do and the Han Huss the Thomas Cranmer how do we how do we mature in our worship to be able to give glory in God in the midst of it all. Death is facing us. We've got 30 days to live. We've got the bad news coming. All this is right here. Hey, let's say you're down to the last seconds of it. You're like these that were standing at the, that were at the stake, that were kneeled down praying together, the Paul, the Silas in prison, and they begin to praise and worship God. How do we get to that level? How? Anthony, I, if I were there, I could tell you. Yeah, come on. <laughs> because I'm not there. Yeah. But here's what I can see, a common view of every, every one of these people, Paul, Silas, those, those people, is they had a high, high view of God. Yeah. And they esteemed God's glory and his kingdom. That's mm. the most important thing. And they esteemed their life. More than the riches of Egypt. <laughs> they esteemed their life as, mm. as less, than, less important Man. than the glory of God. 
So there's a big difference in sitting in the pew and sitting at the feet of Christ. Ooh, I like that. That's pretty good. My goodness. So I can sit in the pew yeah, and not sit at his feet. That's a fact. Just because I'm sitting in a pew yeah. does not mean I'm sitting at his feet. Nope. So, that, so those are the ones that leave that are sitting in the pew, not sitting at his feet. I didn't get none of that service. service. Hate that song. Yeah. So this is about getting <laughs> ourselves out of the way. Yep. So we need to understand what worship is and that God is not confined to what our mindset of worship is. So that yeah. leads me to my story. Mm. I'll tell you this. Come on. Then, then I'll be done and I'll let you, I'll let you open us up. <laughs> so some years back, uh, we were going to church and uh, it was a Sunday night service. And uh, the youth director had got a lot of the youth together and they were going to put on a drama in the church. I was never raised around dramas to see a drama put on in the church. And they were up there singing and dancing and doing like a sign language and stuff. And it, it, to me, I looked at that and I was like, this is embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. This is a true abomination right here in the house of God. And I looked over at my wife and my children. And I looked at them and I said, let's get out of here. I said, we got to leave this church. We can't sit here. I said, this is wrong. I said, they're making a mockery out of the house of God. My wife, thank God for a godly wife. She said, you yep. just calm down and sit still and hush. <laughs> yep. I was mad. I, I was really mad. Mm-hmm. And uh, the drama was over. You know, everybody in the church, they clapped. I didn't clap. I just sat there and stared. I was, I was mad because I thought it was wrong. And uh, at the, the minister got up and delivered the sermon that night. And uh, they had an altar call. So... I, I went out of obligation. I felt like I needed to go, you know, just in, just go through the motions. I'll go up to the altar and I'll pray. Just go through the motions. Well, my children had went with me and they were up there on the altar as well. And usually whenever I was done praying, I would reach over and let them know that I was done praying, you know. So I, I reached over after I was done praying and the prayer that I prayed, it was horrible. I was like, Lord, this this was a terrible, this is an abomination here in your house. Lord, I can't believe this. And I reach over to touch Abigail on the back, my daughter. And when I touched her on the back, she was trembling. Hmm. And I was like, hmm, something's different. <laughs> and I got closer to her and I heard her crying out to God for salvation. Wow. And everything changed at that moment of time. My mindset changed. My heart changed. The church gathered around her, and that was the night that she found Christ, that she surrendered her life to God's will. I went to the altar in anger. I got up worshiping. (laughs) And it just, it showed me that God was not confined to the constraints of what I thought that worship was, Mm. and that God can work through a drama God can work through a flag ministry. God can work through a sign language ministry. God can work, and the Holy Spirit is not confounded to what I think it should be or the box that I try to put it in. Worship is me getting myself out of the way and letting the Holy Spirit have control because, as you said before we did the podcast, that was the night that the Holy Spirit was visiting. And thank God, thank God that my daughter was there to bear witness to it and to receive Christ as her Savior that night. What if we'd have left? I've asked myself that a lot of times. Oh, wow. What if self had got in the way and we'd have left? 
I would have walked out on something that changed her life forever. I would have walked out because of my own selfishness. I got nothing else to say. Wow. <laughs> wow. Anthony, thank you for your vulnerability and honesty. And because I think that, that that's how we, that's how we grow. Think about what God did that night. Okay. He, if he would have moved upon her heart and life on a night where they had sung or did the traditional thing you would expected. Oh yeah. Then you would have said, yep, that's what I expected. Yep. And you would have stayed in your cocoon and, and you, but God, as God was saving her, he wanted to break you. Amen. And he wanted to open your heart because he wanted to take you in a direction that you may never have gone if it hadn't have been for that night. Hard to see that though. You know what I'm saying? It's beautiful. It is. It's, that God was thinking about her eternity, <laughs> but he was also thinking about how he wanted to take you in a direction that was going to impact other people's eternities at yep. the same time. And he was doing all of this in his perfect, his perfect plan. Yep. Amazing. Beautiful, Beautiful aunt. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And, uh, and what a powerful way to close a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so as, as we, as we, you know, tie a bow tie around this conversation, um, I want to say we appreciate the group listening in wherever you may be listening in from. Thanks for tuning in and sticking with us for 30, over 30 minutes here. So I'm, I'm going to share this final note that I jotted out of my journal. And I said this, my worship and the passion by which I worship is a direct reflection of how I perceive what Jesus Christ did for me. Worship is a response to his sacrifice and a surrender of all of me for all of him for all of eternity. That is what worship is. Mm. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Cultivate Network podcast. Until next time, keep cultivating.